So folks, today is another milestone in the journey of TGV because we are attaching TGV to the community cause of LGBTQ sensitization. And we are pleased to announce the very first episode in this series. Stay tuned. She believes all of us are not the same, but we are all equal. Also believes in equality and inclusion for all section of society, including the queer community. Since she has worked closely with many queer compatriots, she read about them and written about them and now seek to alter the prevailing mindset and foster inclusivity. She has spoken at PSAI's Global Annual Summit 2021 and Women Economic Forum's Annual Global Digital Summit 2021. And she has also been a part of various international panel discussions and summits. As a certified counselor, she enables parents to navigate the rough and unknown waters of being blessed with a queer child by coping and coming to terms with it, learning to embrace their queer kids, transforming into their child's strongest allies. In today's episode, let us chat with Dilshad Master. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, TGV for a Better Future. This is your host, Navin Samala, and I'm just a fellow IT professional, but passionate learner on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. In every episode, we interact with industry experts or thought leaders or academicians or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help each one of you learn some amazing stuff. Also, we share an interesting trivia or fun fact towards the end. Folks, you'll acquire more knowledge by tuning into TGV for every minute than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are going to discuss a topic, Queer Queries Answered. And we are pleased to have Dilshad, part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Dilshad, welcome to TGV. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Naveen. It's a pleasure to be here. Love to be part of this journey. Absolutely. Pleasure is ours. And in fact, we are honored to have you on board as the first representative of this LGBTQ series. Dilshad, let's get started. Can we briefly talk about your journey as a queer sensitization catalyst? And what are top three challenges that you have overcome? Sure. So the journey itself was very catalytic for me as in I used to be someone else and I transformed. I metamorphosed into a queer sensitization catalyst and um, two incidents form a part of my journey one was something that had happened in my childhood when a cousin of mine used to be a trans person she was a trans woman and I had no clue what trans was I was uh, you know just asked to keep away from the person not speak to the person and uh, I didn't understand it then but I, I was just told that you know she's not a person to be dealt with she, just to stay away you know I did that and now I feel the guilt, you know, building up and uh, sort of I have had to live with that guilt where I sort of insulted that person in a way where I would see and ignore the person not knowing what she is, just feeling weird, you know, if that, that if I would see the person. So that somehow got embedded in my brain very early on. I didn't think too much about it. It stayed there for a very long time. But the second trigger and the most 
uh, recent trigger that happened was when I worked with a digital marketing firm here in Bangalore. And one of their verticals was a not-for-profit digital magazine for the LGBTQ community. And that magazine sort of opened my eyes and my mind towards the community. I learned so much. Until then, I simply knew that I was an ally. I was all right with LGBT people, but I didn't know much about them. But that helped me transition to who I am today. And that made me realize that this is one community which needs a voice on the outside. Because uh, no matter what your physical, mental, financial ailments, you know, your family, your loved ones always stick with you. But this was one community where even your most loved and dear ones abandoned you or did not understand what you were going through, which is why I chose to take up the cause and, and make it mine. You know, that that became my sort of ikigai. And that's what I do. I mean, I love what I'm doing. I earn from what I'm doing. And people definitely need this kind of sensitization and this work. So it's it's just perfect. Echo with you. Uh, completely echo with you. Because uh, many a times people have this stigma of talking to this particular community and not yes. not everybody is open in terms of welcoming them to the events. I completely appreciate what you are doing. In fact, this is a very noble intent because each one of us is different and we need to appreciate that particular diversity. It's all universe's exactly. creation, in my opinion. Exactly. Right? Yes. All right. So on that note, I would like to ask one basic question. I, I, I'm sure it will, found, it will find very silly. But I, I know this, what is uh, lesbian, gay... Right. And then bisexual, transsexual. Right. What what is this Q in the LGBTQ? Q, what is this Q stand for? The Q stands for queer. Mm -hmm. It stands for two things. If you look at the acronym, one is queer. The other is questioning. Okay, But queer is an umbrella term. So this term, it used to be used largely as a slur, you know, until the community reclaimed the word and said, all right, if it has to be a slur, we are queer, we are loving it, we like it, and this is our identity. So from a slur, it turned into something to be proud of, something to say that, okay, you think we are weird, that's what you think, we are we, and we are queer, and we are happy and proud of it, right? Just like the word black, at one point in time, black used to be used in normal conversation, right? He's black, or he's a nigger, or he's a negro. Socially, culturally, at that point in time, it was used in common parlance. Later on, it got accepted as a slur. And now today, people are very sensitive. And in order to be politically correct, you don't use the word, you know, black or nigger or negro, right? Similarly, queer is quite the reverse. It was initially used as a slur to talk of how weird a person was if the person was, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual or trans. And uh, today, the community having reclaimed it, they use it as a very proud identity. Yes, I am queer and I'm proud, you know. And uh, the other Q stands for questioning, Naveen. So uh, that not many people know of. The other Q is when you are going through a phase of discovery, a journey of discovery. I, I wouldn't say phase, but a journey of discovery to know your own gender identity or your sexual orientation. Um, you begin to question it. You know, am I really, let's say, attracted to other men? Could I also be attracted to women? Could I be trans? Could I be um, uh, bisexual or whatever? So that period uh, that a person goes through until they are certain 
what their identity is. That period is the questioning period. So Q stands for two things in the LGBTQ acronym. So queer as well as questioning. All right. I think that clarified me and thank you for answering that most awaited question, which was lingering <laughs> on my mind for a long time. Right. All right. Now let's talk some basics about this aspect of LGBTQ mm-hmm. and all. So what yes. is the difference between sexual orientation vis-a-vis gender identity and gender expression? Uh, you said sex, sexual orientation and gender identity, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, firstly, uh, to understand gender identity, we will have to understand the word sex. The word sex is the term assigned to a child at birth by a medical professional. So it could be a doctor, nurse, a midwife, any person who assigns the sex of a baby at birth. And sex are of only three types. That is male, female and intersex. Right. So most of us, like millions and millions and millions of us fall into male or female. Intersex is determined by an aberration in either the chromosomes, the hormones or the genitalia. The visible genitalia is not clearly demarcated and therefore the medical professional cannot clearly state whether the child is male or female. Right. So there are only three sexes and they are determined by someone else, not by you. Right now, coming to gender identity, gender identity is who you feel you are. So the first characteristic of gender identity is that it is self-determined. You tell me for yourself who you feel like if your sex and your gender identity match. Great. Fantastic. You're cisgendered. Okay, that's called being cisgendered. I was assigned sex at birth or I was assigned male at birth and I identify my gender is male. So that's perfectly fine. There are cases where the sex assigned at birth does not match the gender the person identifies with. That There is a dissonance between what is assigned and what the person feels. <laughs> and that leads to a person being called transgender. Cis means same. Trans means opposite. So if you identify with the sex, you are cisgendered. It's the same. Your sex and gender are the same. If your sex and gender that you feel you are are not the same, then you are trans. It's as simple as that. So that's your gender identity, whether you are cisgendered or whether you are transgendered. Within transgenders, there are many more. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that. But that's about gender identity. Now coming to sexual orientation. Sexual orientation is who you feel attracted to, which means that generally evolves around preteens or teens or, you know, when you hit puberty, adolescence, right? When you start noticing other people, when you start feeling attracted physically and sexually to other people, Okay, or not, or not is also a clause because there is something called asexuals, right? Asexuality is also a thing where you may not necessarily feel sexually attracted to someone. But this happens somewhere around your starting from pre-teens to your teens. So basically all through adolescence is when you are discovering your actual sexuality. Who you feel attracted to is your sexuality. Who you feel you are is your gender identity and how you choose to express your gender identity is your gender expression. 
Are you ultra feminine? Are you ultra masculine? Are you very macho? Are you somewhere in between? There are any which way that you dress or you express your gender identity is unique once again to you and you alone. And only you can express your gender in a certain way. Nobody can express it for you, right? The way you wish to carry your gender is completely your thing, right? So these are the three distinctions now. That, that's great. Uh, I think very well clarified. On that note, let's talk about this uh, transgender. How are, they dif- how are transgenders different from being transsexual? And typically, yeah. if somebody undergoes this uh, transgender surgery, right? what is the transition mm-hmm. process for those kind of people? Now, uh, just like we said, you know, queer is a spectrum where you could be queer gender-wise or you could be queer sexuality-wise. You could be queer in many ways. Similarly, transgender within itself is also a spectrum. So, like I said, the word trans, right? The, The word trans simply means opposite. So, when the sex assigned at birth does not uh, match the gender a person feels, the person can be qualified as transgender. However, transgender being a spectrum in itself, you could be a binary transgender person or you could be a non-binary transgender person. Now, what that means, binary means two, right? So two is male and female. You could either be a transgender male or you could be a transgender woman or a transgender female or you could be completely transgender non-binary, which means you do not conform to the binary of male or female. You don't identify with the sex at birth, which was assigned to you, but you don't qualify as the other as well. So you don't qualify with the other binary as well. You simply choose to be gender queer or gender fluid or gender non-conforming. Like I don't want to box myself into one particular gender. So let's say I'm gender non-conforming. So transgenderism is actually an entire spectrum. And any person can choose to identify wherever he or she or they wish to, right? On the other hand, transsexual is more of an identity that falls on the transgender spectrum. And just to, you know, be clear, transsexual is not normally used because a lot of people have had very bad experiences with the word transsexual. And therefore, transsexual is looked upon more, I won't say as a slur, but it's not used in common usage. You wouldn't call someone transsexual. Uh, It is sometimes used in medical terms because transsexual is associated with undergoing sexual reassignment. So once you've undergone sexual reassignment, in medical terms, you are transsexual. You are assigned one sex at birth. You have undergone surgeries, multiple surgeries to alter your sex and therefore now you're transsexual. But because not all trans people undergo this surgery, Therefore, all trans people are not transsexual, but all transsexual people would fall under the transgender spectrum, right? So transsexual is under the TG spectrum, but it's not a term used commonly, largely because of the difference I told you between sex and gender. Gender is what you decide for yourself. Sex is what someone assigns to you. So you don't normally call a person transsexual. That is what it largely is. And your other question was regarding uh, transitioning, correct? How do you transition? 
there are many types of transitions navin so it it just does not depend upon uh, you know going to a doctor and saying you know mujhe ladki se ladka bana do it it's just not as simple as that you have your social transition where you express the gender that you identify with you have uh, in in social transitioning you take on the name that you wish to identify with you take on the pronouns that you wish to identify with that's more of social transitioning right in your manner in your expression in your dress in your name in your pronouns all of that then you have the legal transitioning legal transitioning is where you legally you know go to a district magistrate get a gender certificate to the gender that you wish to belong to and then with you know equipped with that certificate you go on and change all your documents so that therefore you have legally become the second person right you are no more what you were as at birth but you become another person so that's legal transitioning then you have your hormone replacement therapies where you take in hormones where physical changes start manifesting in your body and then finally you have your sex reassignment surgery where you actually go on to reassign the sex which was assigned to you at birth now the thing is all these transitions are not steps on a ladder it's not like you do this then you do this then you do this you they are lateral so you could do all of them or you could do none of them or you may pick and choose to do some of them right so not every person who's on hormone therapy may have undergone sex reassignment for their body or every person who's on hormones may not have gone and legally changed their name or vice versa person who may have legally changed their name and gender on papers may have not undergone hrt or may not have undergone srs sex reassignment surgery so that's largely the way it is social transition is something that most trans persons go through because that is their way of asserting their other gender identity right mm-hmm. so this is about transitioning Wow, very enlightening. I think uh, I am learning a lot of things out of this conversation, and I'm sure it's going to benefit uh, each one of our audience a lot. Yeah, let's move on, uh, uh, Dilshad. Now, see, can yeah. we talk about these pronouns? How far are they justifiable? Because somehow I didn't put myself as he, she, or uh, he or him. Okay. She yeah. or uh, yeah. right? Uh, her. I don't know why this has come, and what's your take on that? Are they justifiable? Yes they are very justifiable for the simple reason that Navin not every time we speak to a person we are going to speak to him with that person's name right i can't yeah. if i'm speaking to a third person about you i cannot constantly say you know and then navin did this and then navin did that and then i i am bound to use pronouns right mm-hmm. every thing and every person has a pronoun in mm-hmm. any language it's not just english it's in any language right we all have pronouns things are assigned pronouns people are assigned pronouns now the reason for i'm not saying determining your pronoun but announcing your pronouns to the world is one you close the door on any assumptions okay so i should not be looking at you as navin and assuming you know in indian culture navin is largely a boy's name and he somehow looks like a boy so i guess it's okay to call him he him what if you are a trans person who does not identify as male every time that i say he or him to you i am actually hurting you right and for you and me it could be just a half an hour conversation but imagine going through the rest of your life 
all the persons that you come across are talking to you with the wrong pronouns right so announcing your pronouns number 1 shuts off the door to any assumptions so you are telling people that please don't assume who i am i am telling you up front that he or him are my pronouns correct the other thing is you are also communicating to somebody else that i respect your use of determining your pronouns mm-hmm. correct just like i am announcing my pronouns to you i respect your announcement of pronouns so today if i tell you navin that i am delshad master and my pronouns are he and him i would expect you to respect my pronouns and you would only do that if you are aware that you know whatever is put in brackets after the name those are the pronouns that person chooses to assign to themselves correct so it also shows a mutual respect for somebody else and thirdly pronouns shows that the user themselves are very woke about the fact that they know about a person's right to use those pronouns so it it shows that you feel for the community you understand that a person may not necessarily uh, use the pronouns that you choose for the person going by the name or going by other assumptions going by the dress so it it shows a lot of that so these are the three reasons one is never assume mm-hmm. two mutual respect and mm-hmm. three it shows your enlightenment about the lgbtq cause it shows that you are aware about the queer community and you are in a way for the queer community by asserting asserting your pronouns so these are the three purposes that pronouns serve so irrespective of how you feel that you know i strongly look like a male my pronouns are obviously he and him there is no harm in just putting those pronouns in a bracket on your linkedin profile or anywhere else you know it just goes to show that you respect the other person using his or her pronouns or their pronouns wow again having another... said that let me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let let me just change mine. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You please go ahead. I'm just changing mine. I'm just changing my name over there. And yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, this is another uh, mind blowing answer, I would say, because I got to learn a lot. Maybe out of sheer ignorance or something, but I was really clueless. Why are people behind these pronouns and all? And thank you so much for clarifying that. All right. Now let's talk about uh, another aspect. Like we see, typically we identify somebody's sexual orientation if they are active in sex. But how do mm-hmm. we identify the sexual orientation if they are not active in sex? Okay, that would require me asking you a lot of personal questions, which I will not expect any answers <laughs> for. But uh, keep the answers to yourself. But yeah, let yeah. me ask you those questions. When you hit puberty. Yeah. Did you immediately become sexually active? Did you immediately start engaging in intercourse, or uh, you know you engaged after a while? You most people engage after a while, right? Yeah. So you hit puberty, and you start noticing changes in other people, in yourself. You start our attention is drawn to our body, how we look, and that's very natural. Everybody goes through it. Then you start observing others. It it could be male, female, anywhere, and you start feeling sexually attracted towards them, right? That's the, that's the natural process that most adolescents who are not asexual go through, right? Asexuals also have a struggle by the way because when everybody is talking of sexual attraction and they do not feel sexual attraction, that is also a lot of uh, uh, dysphoria that they go through. but my point being you don't have to have had sex or intercourse to know what your sexual orientation is 
when you start getting attracted if i am a female and i start getting attracted to other females and i am disgusted at the sight of males or i am simply not attracted to them i don't find the male body attractive or i don't find any person any male person that i'm attracted to but rather i find females you know very good looking or attractive or it could be both that's when i discover my orientation right i so i like females and then i also like males so now i discover that my sexual orientation could be bisexual mm-hmm. or yeah. lesbian or gay does not mean that i have to be having sex with them immediately yeah you know me being attracted to them or not being attracted to them will tell me a lot about my sexuality how i identify as far as my sexual orientation is concerned right it yeah. has nothing to do with intercourse you mm-hmm. could live your life completely celibate still believing that you are gay you know there are so many gay people in india unfortunately have never found the right partner or are afraid to approach the person or are closeted they know that they are gay so they know their sexual orientation you don't have to be sexually active to know your sexual orientation so yeah great <laughs> again i think i'm learning a lot out of this conversation i'm glad uh, that bhavana and durga have shared uh, your profile in fact uh, very very nice to have this kind of engaging discussion and with that let me uh, move to my next question so you also sure. sensitize the parents about uh, identifying their kids sexuality and all yes. right in terms of the yes, orientation so how can parents identify the orientation of their children right uh, first thing parents need to know that sex and gender differ right that is the first step if that much is understood navin the rest becomes a beautiful journey of discovery you know every parent likes to say uh, every new parent likes to say oh i'm discovering my child you know oh today my child walked or today this is his nature zyada sota hai zyada bolta hai zyada uh, you know haath pair zyada chalata hai right every parent right likes to go through this journey of discovery with their child gender should also be one of them okay but that happens only if the parent understands first that sex that the doctor has assigned to my child at their birth could be could be different from the gender that my child may grow up to identify with okay that is the first basic step so the first thing first change the parent has to identify like console not console but to know themselves that sex and gender of my child are two different things and then as the child grows up we have a lot of markers unfortunately we have a lot of unconscious biases you know ladka hai chalo chalo room blue paint kar do ladki hai you know blue i'm sorry uh, ladki hai to you know pink pink frock and pink uh, uh, pink khilone and pink uh, babi dresses and dolls and all of that correct so we have all these stereotypes now when you see your child grow up and not fit into the mold of those stereotypes you know your child is asking for different things in fact i'll i'll just to give you an example if you walk into a store you know like a toy store uh, i don't want to name for you know branding issues and all that i don't want to but you have these major international toy stores right you walk into any one of them the salesmen there come and they greet you they are not looking at you they are not looking at your wife first the sales person is trained to immediately focus on the child right they look at the child and then they direct you to the section that they think your child would like so they'll immediately look at the child and if the child 
seems to be a girl that is sir either the barbie section is here or the doll section is here you know that assumption is made and if it's a boy sir this these are where we have gi joes and the fast cars or whatever those cars are called you know all of that so assumptions and prejudices are this strong if a if a parent begins to see differences in these stereotypes right and toys are just one it could be different it could be clothes as well the child always feels that let's say it's a male child he always feels that i'm a female i like to dress up like mama i like to l- watch mama dress up or um, wear lipstick i like to wear a sari i would rather wear a dress i want long hair i don't want short hair i want to play with barbie dolls you know there are many markers i am not trying to stereotype trans persons but i'm trying to tell young parents that please understand that sex and gender could be very different so do not beat up the child or do not you know bully the child into accepting the sex that was assigned to them at birth right be open to the possibility of the gender my child may identify with could be different and why i'm saying young parents over and over again is these changes are visible in a child as young as 2 and a half 3 unlike sexuality sexuality happens when you're much much older you're into your preteens and adolescence it's about you getting attracted to somebody else but this is something which is so inside the head so therefore it is not a phase it is not somebody else you know kisi aur ne mere bacche ko brainwash kiya hai two two and a half year three and a half year old child cannot be brainwashed into believing something else right the child is the child is not yet burdened by social stigmas and social uh, uh, conditioning right whatever the child says the child says truly from their heart from what they identify please acknowledge that please accept that and then the way further to proceed would be to take the child as the child grows up and continues to assert that their gender identity is different from their sex please take them to a psychologist please get the child um, uh, there is a test which can determine if the child is undergoing gender dysphoria or if the child's gender is in dissonance to the sex assigned to him or her at birth and then take it forward with the child as to how they wish to go about it you know there is something called hormone blockers your uh, puberty blockers by taking those you can actually halt the puberty so in case the child has decided to sexually transition a sex reassignment surgery puberty blockers help a lot because before the child undergoes puberty so none of those puberty wale changes will be visible you know or will happen in a child's body it is easier to have a reassignment surgery when you grow older rather than a child living through that trauma all through because puberty can be a very traumatic time of our life even for cisgendered heterosexuals like you and me you know puberty itself is traumatic imagine a person struggling with their gender and sexuality and going through puberty it is it is hell for them right so if a parent or a close adult identifies this early on a child's life can be so much smoother and i would go to the extent of saying a child's life can be saved because if a child lives through this kind of trauma this this kind of uh, uh, self hatred or uh, self doubt the child might even contemplate suicide because if there's no one who can understand what the child is going through that's the last resort that most children find themselves uh, resorting to you know mm-hmm. uh, either self harm or suicide yeah i think uh, parents have to be proactive here and uh, try to be sensible 
okay to the changes yes. and basis which they can really support the child all right that makes absolute sense and with that let me talk about the section 377 i think there was a lot yes. of hype about it and uh, how how has this section 377 influenced opening about sexuality firstly let me clarify that all these um, speakers of uh, when i say speakers all these guardians of indian culture uh, that say you know this is against our culture blah 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 it was never against our culture transgenderism was very very much prevalent society was very open about it and in fact it was very celebrated even same sex relationships were extremely celebrated right they were not just swept under the carpet after all we are the land that gave the world the kama sutra we are the land that told the world i mean taught the world the art of loving so loving across genders right so it is absolutely in our culture that's the first point i want to clarify section 377 was an archaic law that was brought in by the british somewhere in the 1860s right in 1861 if i'm not mistaken was when this law uh, inspired by the buggery act there is something called the buggery act brought in again by the british who tried to tame the indians by laying out laws thinking that you know we are all untamed uncivilized uncouth a civilization that requires a lot of legal binding you know so they brought in a lot of laws and under the ipc that is the indian penal code all right section 377 was introduced for any unnatural acts of any unnatural nature which meant sexual acts of unnatural nature which meant actually that oral sex anal sex is also prohibited by law even among even among heterosexual couples right so as per that law as per that law it mentions only and the origins of that law are they lie in the bible because biblically intercourse can only be between man and woman for the purposes of procreation and it has to be penetrative and vaginal any other form of intercourse is banned and barred right so it had biblical genesis and then it was brought into the ipc through the ipc the uh, british found it very easy to punish any sort of gatherings of males so it kind of helped them even in the freedom struggle where they if they could not find any section to punish a group of say revolutionaries or people under this became a very easy go to section where you know a group of men were caught and they were probably engaging in unnatural sex and therefore put them under bars under section 377 you know after the british left us and uk today is such an open country with regards to lgbtq but we have stuck on with that section almost 200 years later it has people have come to believe that it's part of our culture and society that we you know deride gays and we deride lesbians and all that they they don't realize the culture that we speak of here is actually only 200 years old brought in by the british our original ancient culture actually celebrated it now the way this came to be associated with homosexuals section 377 is because it was used unfortunately by the law enforcers that is the police the people that we should be going to for protection they started in fact misusing the section to bully to um, blackmail and to what's the word to extort money 
from couples that they would catch because again india being india people who are homosexual or bisexual found it very difficult to get a room you know we always talk of you know go get a room you know you probably should get a room if you're too uh, if there's a lot of public display of affection the general term is go get a room unfortunately go get a room was not happening in the case of uh, gay couples they they could not hire or rent a room where they could have their own privacy which is why they used to be caught in public places when i say public places again not in the middle of the road but even sitting in their own car and you know having uh, i mean having a good time the police would catch them and it had become a means of extortion and largely it was easy to extort money from gay and lesbian couples because they were the ones who were most scared it's easy to blackmail someone who is afraid of the threat right a couple who is as it is married or is about to get married or is a heterosexual uh, couple you can't really blackmail the couple homosexuals used to get blackmailed a lot right and even sexually abused so not just extortion of money but extortion of sexual favors as well and that is why the lgbt community led the fight against section 377 but otherwise in full honesty it applies to everybody it applies to mm-hmm. heterosexual couples also you know you mm-hmm. could also be caught indulging in you know anal or oral sex and bullied or uh, blackmailed by the police mm-hmm. but, yeah so wow. that is that is what section 377 was and thank goodness thank goodness we finally read it down never to be put back in the ipc again so this time the supreme court's decision is final can't be overruled awesome i think that's a good news in in fact yeah all right now let's move on to my next question what's your take on this gender neutral bathroom and facilities are they existing today somewhere so uh gender neutral bathrooms should exist and they should exist for the reason that like i said gender is a self determined factor right you determine your gender by assigning just male and female bathrooms you are saying that these are the only two genders that we acknowledge all other genders we do not acknowledge and where you go to the bathroom is none of our problem we don't care right by putting in gender neutral bathrooms whatever your personal beliefs may be at least you are giving a person the place or the chance to relieve themselves when it is a biological necessity when they need to relieve themselves it is it is a struggle for a person who does not conform to the binary to use a washroom where does such a person go they'll get kicked out of a male washroom they'll get kicked out of a female washroom where does a person go so gender neutral bathrooms are very much the need of the hour and in fact they already exist we just don't open our eyes and see them every time we go to let's like, uh, mcdonalds or kfc any any quick service restaurants any uh, even some of the good restaurants they don't necessarily have a ladies room or a men's washroom they normally have common basins and then they have just one door which leads into a single use washroom right so it, only one person goes in at a time the place may have a standing urinal and a, a wc could be used by a woman and by a male these are gender neutral washrooms these are nothing but gender neutral washrooms which all of us use all the time but the issue gets propagated when it's about the workplace then suddenly you know people spring up so we just don't notice that we are all we are all seeing them we are all using them as well okay it's just a matter of changing our mindset a bit now 
this does not mean to say i am asking all corporates to suddenly go and change the sign outside their washrooms and say oh you know we suddenly all gender neutral and you know all washrooms needn't be so because you know women might demand some space for themselves when they visit a washroom or something at least one washroom in your entire building or your entire floor okay can be earmarked as a gender neutral washroom so that's all i'm asking for corporates because the percentage of people who may use it may be very less so i am not saying build another washroom for them or uh, you know change your physical facilities that may involve a lot of money and that may be very impractical to do but earmarking one existing washroom as a gender neutral washroom is not difficult to do at all and must be done the common mistake this is what i would really like to mention again the common mistake that corporates make is oh this washroom we have assigned for transgenders that is very incorrect that is again extremely discriminatory you know just like you have this controversy with um, in india you have you know dalits and brahmins ye 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 mandir brahmano ka hai yahan pe sirf dalit ja sakte hain dalit banda yahan pe nahi ja sakta or you can't mm-hmm. use the well or you can that way so you are actually adding to the discrimination by saying oh you know this is a transgender bathroom only transgenders can go there <laughs> so now you are demarcating you are you are putting them aside instead of being inclusive you are actually being exclusive right but having a gender neutral washroom you are ensuring that any person can walk into the washroom when it is empty and can use it to relieve themselves without having to attach labels you know because in a gen if you say this is a transgender washroom and let's say i i don't know about i walk into it do i become a transgender then or am i supposed to be labeled transgender because she uses that washroom for all you know it could just be close to my desk you know it could be close to my place of work i prefer to go to this than to another one at the end of the right so it has to be, it has to be a gender neutral you cannot earmark a toilet this is for transgenders okay yeah besides transgenders can be trans male trans female so you don't expect a trans male and a trans female to use the same bathroom right so a gender neutral bathroom is more apt than earmarking bathroom and saying this is for trans persons absolutely so. i i think it's a very eye opening uh, suggestion i would say and request all those who are listening please make every effort to have at least one gender neutral bathroom and do not label it let anybody can use it freely yes. i think that's wonderful Absolutely. all right so this has been very enriching conversation because personally i learned a lot of stuff related to this queer sensitization and all so it's been uh, going very well but i would like to lighten up the mood of this particular episode by asking you a few interesting rapid fire questions just that sure. our audience get to know other side of delshad <laughs> if you are ready let's sure. get started sure, all right let's so let me kick off the first bullet out of the rapid fire what was your childhood fantasy and you can probably answer very crisply one or two words mm, killing a lot of terrorists being into the army and just like going like <laughs> so that was a childhood fantasy <laughs> i really wish to be like a fighter fighter <laughs> all right so moving on what would you do if you were given a chance to change anything I guess this this was my cause and I I wish I could change minds. Yeah, I wish I had a magical power to change minds and you know change transphobia and homophobia. Yeah. Wow. Very very uh, noble yeah. thought I would say. Moving on. <laughs> what is one random skill that you would like to learn? Oh, I have always loved to be a mechanic. So either a car or a bike mechanic 
or something plumbing or something of that sort i love working with my hands ramin so yeah probably mechanics mechanics is something i really really love i'd love to be skilled in it or yeah. carpentry carpentry is another <laughs> skill i love yeah so we are moving into this diy do it yourself world right so definitely you will get okay. your hands on in next few years <laughs> i hope so i hope so i'll look forward to it yeah <laughs> moving on what's the funnest moment in your life so far okay this is going to be sound really silly in retrospect it's very very funny but that time it was not funny at all when it happened uh, in my class 10 Uh, i was giving my exam my moral science exam and you know moral science being moral science you don't really have a proper syllabus syllabus you know you just answer whatever the questions are i finished the paper i submitted it and then we came out and i was having a good time with my friends and we were discussing and then all of a sudden it hit me that whatever they were discussing was not what i had written and i was wondering why is that so and it turns out because we had mixed seating right class 8 class 9 class 10 so one row of 8 one row of 9 one row of 10 and there was one seat extra so i me a class 10 student was put in the class 8 row and the paper that was passed on i ended up writing that paper so i wrote the wrong class paper and oh my god <laughs> So in a moral science paper I actually have a D now I mean I actually have a D and that's there for posterity I mean it's, it's for donkey's years it's been on my mark sheet and it is so embarrassing so embarrassing at that time it was embarrassing the entire staff room laughed when we went and told my teacher about it I was almost in tears but in retrospect yeah it's, it's I guess one of the funniest moments no wonder <laughs> <laughs> all right let, let me with that let me kick the uh, fire last bullet out of the rapid fire what is one electronic gadget that you like to see or invent yourself oh, that's a good one i really don't know i'm not 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 very tech savvy you know oh something that can just take care of all my cooking i, I don't like <laughs> so like one thing which i can you just say aaj ka khana ye hai and it's done <laughs> i guess would be that <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how to make it or with the technology behind it but yeah if it has to be just an imagination why not <laughs> no that that is going to happen uh, very soon because i recently came across uh, a 3d printer which prints the drinks okay you just tell if wow. you want alcohol huh. if you want tea if you want huh. coffee huh. just press that button you'll get it one machine oh, which awesome takes man. care of everything that's already there in the market in the us okay All right. Oh, and I'll teach it to make the English. <laughs> I'll just put in recipes, and I'll say, "Okay, this." Wonderful. <laughs> this, this has been a fascinating rapid fire, and with that, let me flip back to the mainstream. And before I let you go, one last question. Okay, what will sure. be your single piece of advice in order to promote this LGBTQ diversity and inclusivity? Okay, beyond the Pride Month, because we celebrate June. Oh. Everybody says. we are supporting pride we are supporting pride but what after june so after june is basically when you get into the brass tacks and educate yourself okay june is a time of you know waving flags and showing your support but if you actually want to build on the support if you want the foundation for that support to be strong you've got to read up you've got to educate yourself about the community you've got to know facts so scientific facts historic facts mythologically whatever way educate yourself and uh, along with educating yourself externally whatever google can provide google can provide i mean let's not debate that but internally google cannot provide answers to you so internally educate yourself as to what your inbuilt biases are what your inbuilt prejudices against the community are 
that exercise in introspection is an individual's prerogative and responsibility so educate yourself up to where you are biased once you know the areas you are biased in now go and seek answers from google as to what is the reality behind this or what is the reality behind that but without knowing it yourself you become only a pseudo ally you know like i am all for lgbt as long as my child is not lgbt okay i am all for lgbt as long as my brother or sibling and nobody comes and tells me that they are queer i am very comfortable mere circle pe koi nahi hona chahiye baki i am all supported so you become a pseudo ally so let's let's not be that and in order not to be that you know need to know your own prejudices about yourself that's my biggest advice profound so, very profound research mistake. yourself Yeah. and then research google <laughs> awesome thank you so much uh, dilshit i think it has been a very fruitful conversation i personally enjoyed every bit of it and i'm sure it will be enlightening to our audience thanks again for taking time thank you so much thank you so much navin thanks a lot all right so folks before we move into a trivia section here is a small request to all of you in case if you haven't subscribed to us please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from so that you will be notified of all future episodes also if you have loved this episode and found it useful please share with your friends or colleagues who can benefit from tgv so that your friends will learn new stuff like you and we will gain some new subscribers thank you so much in advance all right so it brings us to the trivia segment of today's episode now that we had a lot of conversation around lgbtq diversity inclusivity and queer queries answered i'm going to talk about lesbian magazine The first US lesbian magazine was titled Vice Versa and it was written by the pseudonymous Lisa Ben and you know the catch here is Lisa Ben is an anagram of lesbian interesting isn't it so before i let you go here is a, another request in case if you guys have found some good practices in order to welcome this lgbtq community and truly promote this diversity and inclusion please feel free to leave your comments on our social media platforms or on youtube in case if you are watching this video that's all for today thank you so much for tuning in this is navin your fellow it professional and a learner on a mission to make a difference in the lives of millions across the globe until next time bye bye